with us here on Sunday mornings. We've been going through the book of Revelation. We're going to pause this week. We're going to swerve away from that just for this week uh, for a couple reasons. One of, is for what I just said. It's a family service, a little bit different. Uh, second of which is because uh, if you hear last week, uh, it was pretty intense. We looked at the church of Thyatira. It was pretty intense type stuff. And so we're going to just pause for a little bit this week. We'll get back into the book of Revelation next week. But today we're going to be looking at something a little bit different. We're going to just focus on a psalm, which I think will be really good, especially in light of the fact of what we just celebrated yesterday, being, or this past week, being Thanksgiving. So what I want to do before we even begin to look at the psalm, uh, because it is sort of in still theme of Thanksgiving, I'm curious, um, and it's, you know, coming to church and having Thanksgiving giving in our heart. In fact, the psalm that we're going to be reading this morning is Psalm 100. I'm going to read you one little section in there, and then we'll actually look at the whole psalm in just a second here. But it says this. Um, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So what I thought we would do, even before we jump into this morning, kind of looking at the passage, I'd love to just kind of know, kind of as a family, if anybody has any like words of thanksgiving, and, you know, maybe they can share. Maybe this past week was exceptionally good. Maybe there's some things that God had done in your life or through your life or in your family. Or he showed you something about himself that was really in particularly good for you. It blessed you and encouraged you. You want to give thanks to that right now. And uh, this is, you know, again, we don't do this very often. It's kind of like audience participation because you're like, what are we supposed to do? Here, here's what we're going to do. If, if you would like to say something that's, would share with us what you're thankful to God for, maybe something that God's done that you're particularly thankful for, I want you to come on up, and uh, I'll have a mic here for you, and you can just give thanks. This is totally random, spontaneous. This is not planned. Some are probably wondering why I'm even doing this, but because it's good. It's right to give thanks to God. So if anybody has anything you want to give thanks for, come on up, say it. It can be a kid. Any kid? Oh, I thought I had a taker. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Okay, this is my buddy Jonah. Jonah, come on up here, buddy. If anybody else wants to come up while Jonah's sharing, you can come on up. What are you thankful for, bud? I'm thankful for my mom and my dad and everybody. Um, that's my friends and my family. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Awesome. What was your favorite part about it? Did you have any good food? Uh, yeah. What'd you eat? We had turkey and yam surprise <laughs> and mashed potatoes and this jello type stuff. Ah, nice. What's Thanksgiving with that jello type stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Why don't you guys give uh, Jonah a round of applause? Thanks, buddy. Anybody else have the boldness of a child? Want to share? All right. Why don't you say your name? This is Ray, by the way. This is, but I'm going to let Ray say his name and have everybody say his name. I'm Ray. This is Ray. Um. <laughs> I just want to thank the Lord for uh, giving me health this year. Last year, I had a miserable year of uh, bad health, 
And the Lord healed me and just brought me to a new place spiritually, um, new church. And he's just been blessing me over these uh, last six months and being in Calvary Slow. And it's just been an, an awesome thing to be in because there's so much going on here. And this church is so alive. Uh, and God is moving. And I'm just really glad to be a part of it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, man. Anybody else? Okay, here we go. Anybody else can come on up. Why don't you guys come on up? We'll just, okay, I'll be really honest with you. I, we never do this, all right? So this is your opportunity. If you've ever been like, gosh, I really want to say something from the pulpit. I never let you say stuff from the pulpit, all right? So this is your chance. If you say something weird or you're a nut job, we'll, we'll have someone behind the curtain yank you out. But this is your chance. So anybody else can come on up. You, you, you want come on up, buddy. All right, anybody else, you can come on up. This is Rachel. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Rachel, as Pastor Brian said. And my family every year does this thing called the Thanksgiving Journal. And every year we, we write something sweet, something bitter, and a person that we're thankful for. And I was kind of reminded during Ray's thing that for my sweet for this year, I wrote this church and the rain specifically. Because I've just been so blessed by this church, by the fellowship here, by the teaching of both Nick and Brian and... Um, you guys are awesome, and I love you. You guys are my family. So, thank you. Thanks. What's up, buddy? You got to say your name, okay? My name is Jane. I'm thankful for my toys and Jesus and my family. That's awesome. Thanks, buddy. For Jesus, toys, and family. You got to love that. Good job. Good job. Come on down. Anybody else? This is my daughter, by the way. Um, I'm thankful for my family and how great they are. And the trip to Mexico we took this this year. (laughs) Um, I'm really thankful for... Oh, sorry, I'm Megan, and I'm really thankful for the youth group that we have here. It's blessed me so much, and I've learned so much through our Pastor Ben and all the youth leaders. Right. Thanks. Good. Anybody else? Gosh, you guys are slow. It's okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. Anybody else? All right, here we go. Another taker. Uh, my name is Mike, and um, I've uh, been through some really intense times with my family in the last uh, uh, really four years, but that's culminated uh, after losing my father. I uh, lost my mother this past June, and uh, after a really long battle with cancer. And all throughout that, I'm really thankful to God that he was completely faithful to that whole process of being my comforter and sustainer. And uh, in the middle of that, it's been a lot of ups and downs. Uh, and that, uh, that's included uh, God blessing me with my, my wife, Dagny, and, uh, uh, this past May. And uh, that's, I mean, I mean, of course, the most help you know, out there, it's a huge, huge blessing that God uh, bestows on you. And 
Um, she's absolutely wonderful. And in the midst of that, of course, um, I've gained two uh, surrogate parents, um, my, uh, my, my parents-in-law, uh, John and Patty. And I uh, just really experienced this past week, uh, experienced some cool new traditions and uh, how their family celebrates Thanksgiving. And, and uh, so I'm just really thankful for all that, both the faithfulness of God in the middle of tough times and uh, his blessings in the middle of it. So. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Hey. Make sure you say your name. Hey, um, hey I'm Michelle. Um, first off, I'm thankful for my family. And also, um, for this last year, my dad, um, we moved here, and he had to continue to um, commute to L.A. for the week and only come for the weekends. And just last week, he finally got a job, and he's going to be working in slow starting Monday. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Cool. Anybody else? You going to share? Yes. This is my buddy, Colette. Me? Yeah. There you go. This is your sister, Cece. You start. Okay. (laughs) So I'm Cece. I'm Colette's sister, and I'm very thankful for Colette. She is such a blessing in all of our family's life. So, Colette, we love you. I love the whole family. I wish mom would give me a soda. Cousin Steven, next time turn on TV or you post to. Celestine. I hope you got mother. I love you. Thanks, Colette. You're awesome. All right, we'll take one more after this. How about this? Karen, she'll share, and then one more person. Come on up. I am Karen, and I am thankful that after seven years, my son is going to graduate from college. And if you would have known him when he graduated from high school, um, he's really a walking miracle. So um, those of you that did know him would know what a miracle this is. So, and it's a tremendous answer to prayer. So anyway, we are really, really thankful. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. One more. Here we go. Uh, Good morning. My name is Alan, and I give thanks uh, to my family, uh, my home family, my mother, my father, my sisters. Uh, My mother is a survivor of cancer. Uh, She's 89. My father's 91. He had, uh, very thankful, he had a bypass, double bypass this last April, and he's doing well. Uh, My sister... She's recovering from ovarian cancer, so I'm still praying for that, but uh, things are looking very good for that. 
and I'm extremely thankful for what the Lord has done for bringing my family together, the strength they have, and the wonderful family that they brought me here. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. That was awesome. Love that. That was great. Thanks, guys, for uh, sharing. That was great. Really encouraging. Hope you guys are encouraged by that. Um, Here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take a look at um, a passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 100. If you guys want to turn there, that'd be great. And uh, I'm going to teach this psalm this morning. It's not very long. It's pretty short. In fact, this might go on in the history books as being one of my shortest sermons ever. So, um, um, yeah. But um, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to read the psalm, and then we'll talk a little bit about it, and then we'll do basically what the psalm urges us to do, which is to worship God. And uh, really to consider what God has done for us through his son. So here's what the psalm says. Psalm 100. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray, and we'll take a look at this. Jesus, we ask you right now that you would speak to our hearts. We thank you, God, for just hearing the great uh, expressions of praise and thanksgiving from those that shared. God, we, I'm sure all of us can think of many, many areas in our lives in which we're thankful for. And we just recognize, God, that every good, every perfect gift comes from you. And God, we want to be able to have the proper perspective of understanding who you are and what you do in our lives and the proper response to match that. So we just commit this morning in your hands. We pray that your word would uh, lift our eyes to be fixed upon you, to see you for who you are in your greatness, and that we would have the appropriate response given back to you of love, worship, praise, hearts of thanksgiving, and all that the psalm urges us to do. And we ask all these things this morning in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, most of you guys are probably familiar with the Psalms. The Psalms are probably one of the most widely read um, of books within the Bible, probably for several reasons, um, but chiefly, I'm sure, because they're full of encouragement. And we read the Psalms, especially when we're going through hard times, because we want to have our hearts encouraged and lifted up and strengthened. But one of the things that, with regard to the Psalms, that the Psalms are actually filled with lots of different types of genre. What genre means is our different uh, uh, methods of communicating, different expressions of praise. Uh, you'll see psalms in the Old Testament that have to do with like lament, meaning they're full of mourning, they cry. Psalms of remembrance, where they remember things that God have, has done. Psalms that are like, um, th- there's a big word for you called imprecatory, meaning these are the psalms where you read, David will say something like this, God, Lord God, we love you but smash their teeth in their mouth. It's called imprecatory, meaning like, God, vindicate me, right? Vindicate your great name. And those are the psalms that sometimes you read, especially when you have a hard time with somebody, and you're like, Lord, let this be so. But um, maybe that's not the correct way to pray those things. But um, there's another type of psalm, which are called kingship psalms. And this is one of the psalms that express the kingship of God. And in particular, it has to do with uh, communicating or talking about or giving sort of exclamation to who God is and what God is like and how God is king, really, overall. 
And that's what the psalm does, is it recognizes who God is, and then what it does basically is it takes, uh, in light of who God is, it urges us to respond in, in an appropriate manner uh, to God. So what I want to do as we look at this psalm, because the psalm can actually be broken down in about two different ways. That's how we're going to be le- taking a look at it here today. But what we're going to do in looking at the psalm, we're going to actually look at it sort of backwards. And the reason for that is because what the psalm does is oftentimes when we think about responding to certain things, we'll say stuff like this. We'll say, um, you know, because so-and-so is good, therefore we should give thanks. Or because grandpa gave you a piece of sticky candy, uh, you should go back and thank him for it, right? Or because your mom gave you a present, make sure you send her a thank you note. Does that make sense? So we typically, in light of something that somebody has done or, or something that somebody has said, then we, in light of that, uh, try to sort of cater our response in accordance to that. But what you find in this psalm, and probably has to do more so with Hebrew literature, is it's not written like that. It's actually written um, response first, and then the reason for the response. Did you catch that? So the first point it says, it just jumps right into our response. It says, make a joyful noise to God. So maybe in our Western mind, we might be like, well, why should I make a joyful noise to God? And then he goes on and he answers that. So what I want to do today is we kind of look at this psalm. I'm going to break it down into two sections. But we're going to basically look at um, sort of the two, two main reasons why he wants us to praise God. Why he wants us to respond to God. And so what we'll do is we'll kind of look at it backwards. And what I mean by that is we'll take a look at sort of the reason for our response first. And then we'll take a look at the response that's appropriate to the reason. Is that all making sense? Hopefully it'll make sense as we look at it. So the first thing I want you guys to see is, again, there's kind of two parts to this. The first part, as we'll see on the next slide, is pretty much simply this. Part one is, it's our response to what God has done. So the first part, the psalmist is going to write about some of the things that God has done. What God has uh, basically taken ownership of. And in essence, because God has done X, Y, and Z, or he's done this, therefore our response should be. So here's what he basically wants us to do, is that in light of what God has done, and here's what God has done, verse 3. So we're going to jump all the way to verse 3 first, and then we'll go backwards to verse 1 and 2, all right? So verse 3 says this, uh, because of what God has done, because we know that first of all, the Lord is God, all right? So in your Bibles, take a look at real quick. In your Bibles, all your Bibles should say the word Lord, all in capital letters. Anytime you see the word Lord, especially in the Old Testament, uh, all capital letters, the reason why it's written like that is because that's the name of God. It's the name of God, Jehovah or Yahweh. It's sort of the unpronounceable name of God. So here's what the psalmist is saying. Because Jehovah, he's our God. Jehovah's our God. He is the true God. And the implication is this. Idols aren't God. Silver's not God. Gold is not God. My job is not God. My family's not God. Um, the river's not God. The trees aren't God. The sky's not God. The sun's not God. You guys get a point? He's saying the Lord is God. Jehovah is God. And he's, he's made himself to be God. There's all sorts of competitors, but none of them really stand a chance because the Lord, Jehovah, he alone, stands alone, is separate. He alone is God. That's what the psalmist said. The next thing he says, that when we also know that not only that the Lord, Jehovah, is God, 
but we also know that he is who made us. So the psalmist wants us to also know, I think sort of in this uh, universal sense, God made all of us. All of us. You've got to understand that, that God made every single one of you guys. And what the psalmist is basically coming to this conclusion is that God made all of us. He created us. There's something about God that is not only uh, creator, but he's creative. I mean, when you look at every single one of us, every single person, what I was blown away by, every person that shared was totally different. I mean, not just different age-wise, but different in many, many different ways. Different hair colors, different eye colors, different places in life. Everybody's different. And it's because of the fact that not only is God creator, but he's also creative. God is very creative in the way that he creates things. I mean, you look at a sunset. No two sunsets are ever the same. There's always different patterns in the sky with regard to uh, clouds. There's different tones, different expressions of God's goodness. God is always good. He's creator and he's creative. But he also wants us to know not only that the Lord, Jehovah, is God, but that God also made us, but that we are his. Now this phrase, we are his, I think is sort of in a universal sense, meaning every single one of us were created by God, therefore, we are all in some way, shape, or form linked to God. Uh, this is kind of what some scholars would talk about is the universality of God, meaning that God, it's a big word, to describe that God has right and ownership over every human being, right? Over every human being. But the psalmist goes on to make the, the, the point to say that not just because God created everybody, and just because, in a sense, in a universal sense, we are all belong to God, not every single one of us are in an sort of exclusive belonging to God or an exclusive type of relationship. And that's why he goes on to say, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So the point that I think he would be making is this. In a very general sense, God is creator of all things. And we are all linked to God some way, some form, just simply through being created by God. I hope you know that. I hope you realize that in spite of the fact of whether or not you acknowledge the Lord as your God, you still belong to him. Meaning, there's still a relationship whereby you are accountable to this God who created you. He created you in his image, in his likeness, and whether or not the Lord, Jehovah, is your specific God, there's still a relationship that you have with him. Yet he goes on and he puts it in a particular sense, meaning not everybody is God's sheep. Not everybody is linked to God as him being our shepherd and we being a sheep. There's, in the New Testament, Jesus basically came along one day and he said this, my sheep know my voice. Not everybody knows the voice of Jesus. Not everybody responds to the voice of Jesus. This is why um, sometimes even in a church, you can have some people that in their life, sort of in their heart of hearts, are like, I love God. I want to do what God wants. I'm not perfect, but I really want to live in a way that, re that represents, that respects, that honors, that loves God. And the reason why you have that desire is because you hear Jesus' voice. You hear his voice. You might not hear it perfectly, and you might not even hear it all the time, and you might not respond to it properly all the time. But somewhere in your heart, there's a sense where you're just like, I want to live properly in accordance with the voice that God speaks to me through the Bible, through the preacher, through life, 
through all of God's creation. I want to live in a way that represents God. The reason for that is because you belong to Jesus. If you're somebody that hears the Bible, you don't really, the, 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 God is not uppermost on your mind. In other words, your affections are not really set towards God. You love other things. There's a very good chance the reason for that is because God is not your shepherd. You're not his sheep. That's why Jesus would say, my sheep, they know my voice. They hear me and they respond to me. So the question I think you gotta, we all have to really ask ourselves is, do we hear God's voice? Do we respond to God's voice? Are we his shepherd? That's what the psalmist says. So he wants us to understand that when we know that Jehovah, he's our God, and that he made us, all of us, in a very universal sense, and that we are his, again, and I think in a very broad, general, universal sense, but in a very particular sense, that God, out of all of this world, has called and chosen and saved and brought unto himself a pasture full of sheep, people that are pretty messed up, people that maybe have broken legs, like sometimes sheep do, or that have lots of burrs, or pretty bad stink, right? Re- regardless of what type of sheep you are, you belong to the shepherd. And so here's what the psalmist wants us to know, that first of all, the response that we give back to God is for what he's done, that God has done in terms of making himself God, what God has done in terms of creating all things, what God has done in terms of making us who trust in his son, his sheep. Here's what he says in the next, uh, and actually in the first two verses now, verses one and two. Again, remember we're kind of going backwards. Uh, When we recognize this, we will make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. That's what he says. When we know this, when we live in light of this, when we recognize all these things that we just said, God created us, God made us, he's our shepherd, we're a sheep, we will make joyful noise to God. I've said this before, Calvary Slow, I love you guys. But the reality is, is sometimes when we come to church, we're all pretty like reserved, all right? We're, we can tend to be a little bit quiet, and it's, it's totally okay to go a little charismatic. It's all right. It's okay to get excited about Jesus. And that's, I think, what the psalmist is saying. It's perfectly legit, perfectly okay to do that. This morning, as we were getting ready, I actually had breakfast with my family and even drove to church with my family today. That was absolutely phenomenal. It was a great blessing. Never get to do that. It was great to do that today. Um, But today, when we were just getting ready, my kids had some music playing in the background. And uh, just right after the band had played, it was kind of a live recording, um, you could hear the crowds going absolutely ballistic. I think it was like a Coldplay album. And in the background, you can hear the crowds just going absolutely crazy in this live recording. And I was already thinking about this verse, and I thought, you know, I wonder if that's what heaven's going to be like. Only, it's not going to be Coldplay that they're going to be all cheering. It's going to be Jesus. Jesus is going to be the one that one day, when everybody in some final, ultimate sense, recognizes that the Lord, Jehovah, is God. That the Lord created all things. And doesn't just simply ignore the fact that God is creator. When Finally, in, in an ultimate sense, those that belong to God, those that are his sheep, finally come home into his pasture in an eternal sense. We will absolutely go ballistic. I mean, just think about the loud praises that get done all the time at any rock concert. Translate that into one day in heaven. It's okay to have like, 
a very, very small percentage of that in church services here. Totally legit, totally cool. That's what he's saying. Is that when we live in light of this, we will make joyful noises to the Lord all the earth. And then we will serve the Lord with gladness. What I love about this, he's basically saying we will serve God. We will give ourselves back to God. But we'll do it not in a way that's sort of out of drudgery. You know, I mean, sometimes people, you know, when, when people serve other people out of like, ah, you mean I have to? That, actually what that does is it doesn't show honor and respect to the one that you're serving. When someone comes to you and you're like, hey, could you help me out and do this? And, you know, let's say you're on the side of the road and your car's broken down and you finally flag someone down. Have you ever, like, been stuck on the side of the road and you flag, like, 15 cars and everybody just ignores you? They're like, I didn't see you, you know? And then finally someone stops. Can you imagine if finally someone stopped after standing there for half an hour and you're like, hey, could you help me out? And they're like, this is ridiculous. And you're just like, what? What it does is it shows great disrespect to you. You know, you know obviously you're desperate, so you're like, I'll take anything right now, right? Even if you're mad, I'll take it. Um, but the reality is, imagine being in a relationship with your husband or your wife or your kids. This is why kids, you guys, when mom and dad ask you, like, hey, could you take out the trash or help out? And you're just like, what? I hate this. It can come across sometimes as being disrespectful. And that's what he's saying, is that when we serve God in light of all of this, we do it with gladness because we recognize his value, his worth. And then he goes on and he says, and then we will come in his presence with singing. What you need to know is that singing is a very huge part of worship. It's a very huge part of worship. Now, all of us by nature are worshipers. All of us. We are all by nature worshipers. We will always worship something. This is why people, sort of one of the universal languages, is just song. Everybody sings. Every culture, everybody on the planet sings. They hymn. They, they hum, I should say. Not hymn, they hum. Hymn and hum. Like even kids. Have you ever like sat around kids when they're like playing with Legos and they're like, mm-hmm. you know? They're like singing like fairy songs, like Tinkerbell and stuff. They're just like, they're happy. All right? I mean, I got two daughters and I'm like used to those crazy Tinkerbell songs and stuff like that since they were young. But the reality is like this universal language of showing joy and excitement and favor is song. That's why one of the reasons why I think the psalmist is like, listen, when we recognize that Lord, the Lord, is our God, when we recognize that God creates all things, and that God particularly created us, and that we have been particularly redeemed and brought into the fold of God, Man, we particularly are the ones that want to make joyful noises to God. We are the ones that want to sing and serve God, not out of drudgery, but out of gladness. We want to come to his presence. Come join with the saints and sing. Okay, the second part of this psalm, we're almost done here. Uh, Basically, we're going to jump to the very last verse, which is verse 5. And we'll, again, work our way backwards, kind of like what we started at the beginning. Here's what he says. When you know that the Lord is good, all right, so what he's going to do now, he's going to say that our response isn't connected to what he's like. So part one is our response is connected to who God is, right? Or, or what he's done, I should say. It's first of all connected to what God has done, that he's made himself God, he's created us, but the second part is to what he's like. So we respond to what God is particularly like, and here's what he says, that the Lord is good. Just think about that for a second. How often... 
when thinking about God, especially in the culture, do people actually pause and think about God's good? What do you think about this for a second? Um, there's hundreds, hundreds of jetliners taken off every single day, and they make it to their destination safe. Why is it that when one out of hundreds of them crashes, people are very quick and prone to point the finger and say, God failed. God is not good. But when hundreds and thousands of them make their destination daily on a regular basis, and people hop in their car and get to their destination like regular, normal, daily basis, rarely do people ever stop and say, God, you're good. Thank you for what you've done. There's this tendency in our culture to always just focus on what God has failed to do or what we assume or what we think God has failed to do, but rarely do we ever pause and just say, you know, God, you are good. You are really good. And that's what the psalmist is trying to say, that actually God is good. Then he goes on to say that his steadfast love endures forever. God's love is very long. It endures forever. I love this picture because it, it, it's, it's this idea that it just never wears out. It doesn't grow cold. It doesn't sort of short circuit, you know, five years into it. It just sort of fizzle out and die. It doesn't have a shelf life, all right? It just keeps going on and on and on forever. That's his whole point, that God's steadfast love keeps going on forever, endures forever. And finally he says this, and it's faithfulness to all generations, that God is always faithful even to this generation which we live in. But do you know that within 100 years, every single one of you are going to die? Every one of you, you're going to be gone. Okay? Reality is that we will not be here. Maybe some of the little ones might be. But after that, there's going to be another generation that rises up. Meaning, we will all have kids. I know it kind of freaks some of you out. Like, what? I'll have kids. Yes, some of you will even have like great, great grandkids. And God will be faithful to that generation then as he was faithful to this generation today, and that generation after that generation. And that's what he's saying. He's saying that our God, who he is and what he's like, our God is good, our God's love goes on forever, and our God's faithfulness to all generations. That's what our God is like. He's a very good God. And we'll go backwards again and take a look at the verse just before this. Verse 4, it says this. And in response to that, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving, We will come before God and give him thanks. We will enter his courts with praise. We will give thanks to God and we will bless his name. We will recognize what God is like and what God has done. And in light of what God is like and what God has done, we will give praise to God. But here's a problem. The problem is this, is that oftentimes we fail, right? We fail to recognize, we fail to acknowledge that God is always good. And even sometimes when we do acknowledge it, maybe there's these periodic moments where we're just like, ah, God did this. How often do we actually pause to give him thanks and praise? See, that's the problem. The problem is, according to the Old Testament and reiterated in the New Testament, there's this verse that says, all we like sheep, we've gone astray. And what this simply means is this, is that rather than being sheep that are always prone to give thanks to God, our creator, we don't give thanks to God. We go astray. We walk away from God. Rather than giving thanks, we accuse God. Rather than acknowledging God for his goodness, we try to pin as much blame to God as we can. And what the Bible says is that that's an offense to God. Because in reality, with the sense of who God truly, really is, he's good, steadfast love, endures for generation to generation. In light of that, we think based upon our accumulated knowledge and information, 
that we have the right story. So what we do is we try to pin blame against God, and in the end, what ends up happening is we find ourselves accused. We find ourselves being an offense to God. And so we don't live in accordance in proper response to God for what he's done and for what he's like. And as a result of that, the Bible says because we've gone astray, we're like these little sheep that are falling off these cliffs. We're dying. We're being wounded. We're being destroyed. We're walking away from a good shepherd that actually wants to lead us into even greener pastures. He wants to take care of us. That doesn't necessarily mean that our lives are always going to be better, but it means that God wants us to know him. God wants us to be content in him, to find life in him. And so what God does, out of great love, he sends his son into our world dressed, robed in clothing, in a human body, just like us. Just like us. Lives this world. Suffers in this world. Engages all the same types of situations of pain, just like us. And Jesus, throughout his whole life, lives in a way that very clearly expresses two things. What God does and what God's like. So in other words, you can look at Jesus and get a very, very clear picture of exactly what God is like and what God does. And so the reality is that sometimes we come to church and we're like, ah, I don't really feel like singing. I don't really feel like praising God. And oftentimes, there could be a couple reasons for that. One of the reasons is maybe is because you're just not a Christian. You don't know the voice of your shepherd. You don't know really how good he is. And when you don't know how good he is, it's hard to give praise to something that you just haven't tasted yet. Right? You just can't give praise to something that you have absolutely no idea how good it truly is. So either A, you're not a Christian, but God can open your eyes today and bring you to him. Or B, we oftentimes come and we're just not aware of it. And what Jesus does is he lives out the life of God in perfect display of who God is and when we come this is why for us as a church it's essential for us to say the most important thing we do as a church is to fix our eyes on who Jesus is to look to Jesus to be there's a big word Christocentric meaning we just fix our eyes and look to what Jesus is like in all things because Jesus points us back to God Jesus becomes the perfect display or example for us of what true praise really ought to look like. Jesus lays his life down and says, I will be a sacrifice of myself to serve the God who's great, who's creator, because he's a good God. And that's what Jesus does. So today, as we worship, as we praise, as we thank God for the life that God's given us, as we even reflect upon this past week in terms of what God has done for us as a country, that we have reasons to be thankful for make sure that you remember make sure that you understand make sure you realize what God has done for us through Jesus on the cross we're going to sing a few songs of worship we're going to have an opportunity to respond to God right now it's one of the reasons why oftentimes if you've ever wondered like why do we have music afterwards it's because when God's word goes forth it elicits a response we respond to what we understand so in other words we take time to let God's word sink into our minds, to affect our hearts, to raise our affections. And we sing because God's really good and we love God. We love what God has done for us through Jesus. That God not only is loving, but God always does loving deeds. In particular, the most loving deed for us who have offended God 
by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross for us, to absorb that offense from us, but to also bring us to life and favor through Jesus' life, death, ultimately his resurrection and ascension back to the right hand of God. So we're going to worship Jesus right now. We're going to worship Jesus by song. So again, if you want to sing loudly, two thumbs up. We're going to respond by also giving our, our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. This is a way in which we would encourage you to participate with what God does because God is a giver. God is always giving. We give back of our tithes and our offerings and our money because God is generous. And so we also too want to be generous like God. So we give joyfully out of a happy heart back to God. And then we'll respond by singing loudly and praying and seeking God. Some of you today may need to respond by just simply asking God to forgive you, to wash away your sin, to cleanse you from the offense that you've had in your heart for either choosing to not thank God or just being oblivious to the fact that God is good and never pausing to really give Him praise and thanks. So I'm going to pray, then we'll respond, we'll give, we'll sing, some of us will confess, and then we'll dismiss you guys. Kids, you guys have been amazing. You guys ready to sing? Kids of all ages, yeah? All right. I'm going to pray. Let's worship. You guys can stand, sit, whatever you guys want to do. I don't care. It's up to you. We'll worship, and, uh, and we'll just give ourselves back to God. Jesus, we thank you that you gave yourself perfectly, obediently, completely to the Father. All that you were, all that you had, you gave back to the Father. And in doing so, you become for us, Lord, the perfect sacrifice. The, the perfect son of God, the perfect one who we follow, the one that we look to. You've demonstrated to us by your life, Jesus, what it means to value God with all that we have and why you're so valuable. It's because you're a good God and all that you do is good. You do good things and you are good. You do good things because you are good. So we worship you. We give joyfully our tithes and our offerings to you and we humbly offer our sin at your feet. So help us to sing joyfully to you right now with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, and our might.